Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm very excited today to talk to Laura Charlotte. Uh, she's been on the podcast before. She's an astrologer, priestess, and brings so much to the world, so much wisdom. And she's been on the podcast before. We talked about uh, the Venus cycles, and and at, it was we just spoke about that. It was about one and a half year ago when it was the big Capricorn cycle. And today we're gonna focus on Venus as well. So welcome back. Hi, it's good to be back. Thank you so much for being here. And for those of the, oh, those of the listeners who haven't listened to our first podcast together, I would love for you to just share a, a little recap of who you are and what you do. And then we get into the big topics that are happening right now, actually, very soon of Venus uh, Venus uh, retrograde and what that means and how we can work with that. So, yeah. Great. Well, um, my name is Lara. I come from Aotearoa, New Zealand. And, uh, well, most of my work now is really involved with the relationship that we have between our inner world and aspects of nature, aspects of the outer world, so plants, planets. Um, I spent quite some time, it's been nearly eight years now, where I've been back and forwards from the Peruvian Amazon. So I've studied quite deeply in shamanic traditions from the Amazon, working very deeply with plants. And it was actually through my work with plants that the planets and the medicine of astrology started coming in really strongly. And so um, I've been studying astrology for about six years now and um, whoa, even longer. But in 2018, I had a very powerful personal experience, a very challenging personal experience. But through that, um, Venus stepped into my life as a powerful force of initiation, uh, also alongside working with the rose, and many just fated, synchronistic things unfolded, and a body of work emerged uh, through me, which I have called the path of the rose. And that is the name of my website. It encapsulates, it's like the altar for everything that I offer and bring forwards. So this is really working with the body, working with the heart, working with devotion, understanding the way that the feminine current moves through us 
and can really be this incredible vessel for healing, for transformation, for expansion of wisdom and consciousness and purpose and pleasure in life. And yeah, I guess that kind of sums it up. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I remember you sharing that as well in our last call. And now when I think back, I think I, like the way we connected was Goddess Ishtar, actually, which is the 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 great grandmother of Venus, <laughs> or it's like the even more ancient uh, aspect of, of the same goddess. So that's very interesting. And we've both been doing different things since we last talked and connected with her in different ways in priestessing as well. So it's really exciting to um, to connect again. And so we are, so when we're recording right now, we're in June 2023. So now Venus has just entered Leo and um, she's gonna be retrograding very soon. So maybe for people, because we talk about star points, the Venus star points as well, maybe for those that haven't tapped into that aspect of astrology, maybe we can speak about that first and then what this cycle means, because it, it, it is a bigger cycle than we think, right? When we start talking about the retrograde. Yeah, sure. So, yes, Ishtar Inanna, that is the Sumerian, Babylonian, Mesopotamian roots of a lot of the astrology and mythology that we have about Venus today. So yeah, that was our that was our connection. Um, right now, in the sky, if you were to look up at sort of just after dark in the west, um, Venus is extremely high and bright. Uh, on the fourth of June she reached maximum elongation, maximum height in the evening sky. So she's very high and bright right now. And then just a couple of days later, she entered the sign of Leo in the tropical zodiac. That cycle of her passing through Leo is going to last almost, uh, almost three months. This is like a very long stay because of the retrograde. So she's going to move forwards all the way to basically the last degree of Leo and then retrograde back and then move forwards again. And during that time, she will drop, drop, drop in the evening sky, getting lower and lower and lower until she disappears. And she will disappear into the rays of the sun and at that time, she will be the closest to Earth that she ever gets. So this is Venus between the Earth and the Sun. That is that moment of invisibility is where we get the 40 days and 40 nights of the Venus retrograde. You know, it's that very biblical 40 days and 40 nights um, number that appears across various traditions. And then she will be reborn as the morning star uh, rising in the eastern sky just before dawn. And this is the birth of the entire new cycle from morning star to invisibility to evening star to invisibility and back again. And this is what's called the synodic cycle of Venus. So the cycle of Venus, the sun and the earth. Um, 
when we look at the star points, which um, was coined by an amazing astrologer and teacher, uh, Ariel Goodman, this talks about a point being made in the sky every time Venus and the sun come together. So the cycle I just described is this observable cycle in the sky. And within that cycle that takes 584 days, there will be two star points. One on this side of the Earth, of this, the Earth, and one on the far side of the Sun. So one close and one far. And that's two star points that create this beautiful geometry in the sky, the pentacle of Venus. And that's something that a lot of people are, are becoming more familiar with, yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, I think that's, it's such a beautiful, because I did the course actually on, on Venus star points. And it's really interesting to look at that also on a personal level, what that means. And it's, it's a little bit different from everything else that we, that we learn in astrology. Um, so right now, and one thing that you also shared the retrograde starts on July 22nd, 23rd. So it's right on Magdalene feast day. It's when the sun also enters Leo. So it's going to be like a lot of events around the third week of, of July when, when all of these things are happening. So where do we begin speaking about this new cycle? What is coming up. Did you want to share something, by the way, on the screen? I was going to, and then I decided that it would just overcomplicate things. I want to keep it really clear for people and not get too technical. So if people want to be a nerd, they can come and study with me and we, we can go there. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, so I'll hand it to you to share whatever needs to come through right now and what is important for us and um, in this, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, well, I've been diving into this entire Venus and Leo transit and looking at the alignments, looking at the symbology, the timing, and yeah, as you mentioned, just this beautiful synchronicity that in most parts of the world, Venus will turn retrograde and within an hour the sun will move into Leo. That is not part of the cycle, that is a synchronicity and Leo is ruled by the sun. The sun is the ruling planet of Leo. And again the feast of Saint Mary Magdalene July 22nd being the patron saint of the rose lineage of these ancient Venusian priestess cults that trace their way all the way back to ancient Sumeria and probably beyond. And, you know, the Egyptian traditions, uh, moving through the Greek traditions, and I'm sure many of your listeners will know that there is this connection between Mary Magdalene as herself being an awakened master, being a priestess, being a, a carrier of these feminine mysteries that really move through the body, that really live in the body. And that is the thing about the medicine of Venus, about the medicine of the feminine, is that although we're looking to the sky and although we are working with um, a frequency of, you know, a body that is off the planet and outside of ourself, 
it is experienced in and through our body. And when we're looking at the Leo theme, which this particular Venus cycle was so focused on, not only through the body, but through the heart. And so for the 40 days and 40 nights of the retrograde, I run a ritual journey, a really um, deeply focused practice and, and, and guided ritual, really. I've called it heart alchemy because Leo and the focus on the heart and the work with Venus during this transit will, the one thing above everything else that it will do is it will take us very deeply into our hearts and show us, I think, where we are in any way cut off from wounded or stuck or resisting or blocked from the liberated authentic life force essence of our own heart that for me is the absolute core of what's going to be happening with venus and leo that's so beautiful and as you started to talk about this ancient connection to the priestess energy and before this call we talked about also because you know the color red is so associated with Mary Magdalene and also Sekhmet the lion goddess as well is connected with the color red and it's connected to um it's connected so much to the blood mystery as well and and the womb and um and I love this because also when we look at Leo it's so connected to the joy you know, and it's in the middle of the summer in the north, at, at least up in the north. And it's a heart opening, which in Chinese medicine is connected with the summer because the summer is the fire element and it's the heart connected to the heart and pericardium. And um, so I think it's really like well uh, timed <laughs> with all of this, which is going on. So like when... In time, do we start working with this uh, energy? When is it? When are we tapping into this? Because right now we're still in Gemini season. We will go into Cancer season, which is so more like in. It, it's going within. It's very Yin, and the the Leo season is more opening. But at the same time, we have this retrograde. How do you see that? Yeah, what to focus on in any given moment, right? <laughs> when there's so many layers. Well, for each and every person, Leo will exist in a different part of their personal star chart, their personal um, birth chart. For you, this is your first house, you're a Leo rising. For me, it's my eighth house. And so when we know our own chart, we can see where these different themes are being activated at any moment. Already, Venus is in Leo. Venus just entered Leo uh, two days ago. So really, this Venus and Leo energy is waking up. And I think it's always interesting to notice the moment that a planet ingresses into a sign, to really take note what happened on that day, what happened on that moment. Um, I often find there's like a build up as well. You know, I might, if there's going to be a transit, it's like, oh, the energy is building, the energy is building, and then boom, something happens. In this case, 
you know, I actually released a masterclass about two months ago, the Lilith and Leo masterclass. It's an embodied astrology workshop and a ritual because Lilith, Black Moon Lilith, has been in Leo for some time. She entered in advance. The reason I find this interesting is that mythically, when we trace the story of Lilith back before the story of the Garden of Eden, back, 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 Lilith makes her first appearance also in the Mesopotamian mythic body. She was the earliest mention we have of her is as the handmaiden of Inanna, Inanna Ishtar, Venus. And so although Lilith in her modern interpretation is this like very intense, dark, repressed, feminine, wild, wrathful being, at the core of that, when we go back to pre-patriarchal Mesopotamia, so even even in the Mesopotamian myths, there was a turn that happened at some point where the stories started to change and the politics started to change. And, and it's quite well documented as well. But way, way back in the beginning, Lilith, Black Moon Lilith, who is who she is in astrology, was the handmaid of Inanna that was bringing people to the temple to be initiated by the goddess. She was this current of desire this thing, this this impulse that, you know, desire, it's not just about sex, it's about eros, it's about this current of life that that makes us yearn or have a longing to commune with the divine, to know the divine, to move towards something that is going to awaken, illuminate and expand our consciousness. You know, it's an evolutionary impulse. Uh, the evolutionary impulse, yeah, to breed and reproduce and make babies, but also to expand spiritually. And so at her core, as this ancient earth energy, this ancient natural deep feminine current, Lilith has been in Leo for some time, really already working in the background, preparing the temple in some way for Venus's arrival. And so what we can look at is like we're now in this moment already with Venus and Leo. What is the condition of your heart? At this, you know, even if you just be on the mind, drop in and place your consciousness in your heart, what do you feel there? What do you notice? Is it achy? Is it tight? Is it open? Is it beaming? What's going on? And and these are the whispers already of what's about to unfold over the next three months yeah that's that's so beautiful and so i mean we had a lot going on with the eclipses and everything and wrapping that that whole cycle up and now we're moving into this and new energy and and then when it comes to the start point so you mentioned it was 500 and how many days is uh, is it? Ex- I, I've forgotten actually. Uh, 584. 584. So during that time, so we're beginning like this big cycle. What will be, so do you see that as also affecting the collective and the individual, depending on our chart, of course, like where, where will... And how is that connected to the other cycles that's going on 
at the same time, like the levels. Yeah, without a doubt. So the key dates, I have a really amazing in-depth um, Venus and Leo workbook, guidebook, uh, that, that breaks down all of the dates, you know, from the ingress, which just happened through to the, the retrograde shadow, to the start of the retrograde, till when she meets the sun, all the way through till her rebirth as a morning star and to when she leaves Leo. So um, do you have a Patreon or something? Or I don't know, maybe we could drop a link in the show notes. Um, people can have access to that through my yeah. Substack. Well, it's going to be on there. Yeah, thank you. If people want to really track it, you know. But like I say, we've already got Venus and Leo. When Venus entered Leo, the first thing that happened was she made an opposition, a direct opposition to Pluto and Aquarius at zero degrees because Aquarius sits opposite Leo. In astrology with the zodiac, you know, there's just this incredible depth of intelligent design. And sign oppositions are like the yin and yang energies. They contain the seed of their opposite within each other and they balance and complement each other in a really interesting way. So Pluto in Aquarius, we have been experiencing for the last couple of years Pluto moving through the final degrees of Capricorn where, where it's been since 2008. Pluto is a just incredibly potent force of transformation, of purification, of evolution, and, you know, the Lord of the Underworld. I also really experience Pluto to be quite a Shiva type energy you know Shiva the destroyer the destroyer of what the destroyer of illusions but for the illusions to be destroyed they have to be revealed so all of our issues around power the corruption of power the way this is playing out in our economy uh, in our laws and political fields uh, Pluto was very involved astrologically in the pandemic and so as Pluto nears the end of his work in Capricorn, he moved into Aquarius. And we've had just a few months of Pluto and Aquarius just showing us, just being like, hmm, this is maybe what's coming. This is the start of Pluto and Aquarius. And then he's going to back into Capricorn and move back. And by November next year, we'll, we'll have Pluto and Aquarius for 20 years, okay? So this is era-defining for the collective. Each and every one of us is invited to contribute and participate in the co-creation of which direction things will go. Because with Pluto, there's a very dark flavor. We are invited to look at the shadows and Aquarius has so much to do with new technology, um, systems, it's a Saturn ruled sign, so systems uh, of innovation systems that really affect the collective because Aquarius rules over friendship and community groups and the 11th house. But there's a real vibe at the moment on earth of this like tech dystopia. You know, we've got the rise of AI. We've got a lot of biotech stuff changing. We've got the massive, massive developments economically, 
um, yeah, crypto, which way is it going to go? Will we have central bank digital currencies? What does that mean for things like the introduction of surveillance states and social, you know, a lot of stuff that has people scared. People scared about the misuse of power, the loss of individual freedom, and yet, yet, at the same time, what is Pluto doing other than showing us where we already have a flawed relationship with power? and with the Aquarian theme. Um, so why I find this interesting is that we have this exceptionally long Venus and Leo transit happening directly opposite Aquarius. And that when Venus moved into Aquarius, the first thing she did was make an opposition with Pluto. Bang. When we are concerned about humanity and what makes us human and sovereignty and freedom and having our freedom taken away and all of these different things the real spiritual invitation is well what is sovereignty what makes us truly sovereign what makes us truly free and when we when we talk about leo we're talking about the royal frequency you know, the, the lion, the heart of the lion, this is a royal energy. The v Venus will actually turn retrograde conjunct the star Regulus, the, the heart of the lion, which is an incredibly royal signature. And evolutionarily for people who, who are concerned about their freedom, what I would say is that freedom is an inside job and that having unhindered access to our own authentic creative essence is the most empowering place any of us can be in order to navigate what's coming collectively, choose what we contribute to, not be at the mercy of just terror and external forces that are telling us a story or pulling us one way or another because you know, that is the choice that we've been given, right? So when I look at the blessings of Venus and the invitation of this Venus retrograde, it's how do you want to create? How do you want to be a creator? How do you want to play with life? How connected are you to your own courage, your own loyalty, your own joy, your own divine child? These are all exalted themes of Leo. And of course, like all things, to really have access to these exalted themes, to really embody them and live them and soak in them, we also need to confront less exalted themes. And Lilith is there helping us do that. Mars is there helping us do that. And the retrograde is coming to help us do that. So in such a beautiful way, that is why I see this Venus retrograde in Leo as being a unique opportunity for us to position ourselves personally and collectively for what is is coming yeah that's incredible i just um, i need to listen again to <laughs> because it's it was so powerful and many things came up um as you were speaking because this is like we can see this on different dimensions and one thing that is highlighted right now is because for, to me and probably since you're so connected to 
the the shamanic tradition and and all of that and and the animals and plants which has become very very prevalent for me as well is the connection with the like the animals all have not just on on a spirit spirit level but on a physical level there's i think we take animals for granted because see how important their symbols are in our astrology how important they are in our lives like just going out and listening to the birds it can really help you to shift your mindset and i'm thinking about the felines now which has been a big part of my life i've been dreaming about them since i was a child so it has uh, a lot of connection and on my podcast that i did with uh, the galactic astrologer julia balas we spoke about lyra for example as being very connected have you have you connected with that energy do you do you know anything about it I haven't. I haven't connected with Lyra other than other than yeah, this like feline quality, the Lyran frequency. I have a sense of, but I don't have an in-depth knowledge of the constellation, no. It's it's something that is emerging, I think, the awareness of the like even Venus as a star, like who who thinks about her in that way, but I mean, look at her depictions from yeah, from the ancient Sumerian and Akkadian time and with the eight-pointed star. So there is something important with that. And and as I'm thinking about the symbol of, of the cat and lions and all of this, in, in different traditions, they have different meaning. Do you have anything like from from the traditions that you've studied? Um, what 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 is the importance of them? Well, the jaguar is the king of the jungle. And, you know, I just, I'm just fresh out of, out of that work. So uh, the place where I've been working most recently is a Shipibo tradition. And, you know, when the curandero, when the shaman closes up people's work um, and seals them up and protects them, who does he call? But you know, we saw in the black jaguar, Otorongo, this most powerful cat, this apex predator of the jungle. And that jaguar is invoked for this immense power. And I think when we look at ourselves spiritually, when we look at things like um, concepts of shamanic warfare and the need for protection and holding one's own space, what I've learned in my own personal practice is that when we are grounded fully in our heart, when we are grounded in what we love, we are protected. And the moment that we start to engage in a warlike mentality, in a I need to protect myself, we're pushing, we're pulling, that is when these dynamics of absolute energy draining uh, we become, we lose our sovereignty, yeah, and we become drained and we feel attacked. And, of course, these are natural processes of learning. These are parts of learning about the gift of relationship, which, of course, Venus has so much to do with relationship. Uh, she's the second planet from the sun, so we have sun, the solar consciousness. Mercury translates that, turns it into a language, and then Venus receives it and says, now let's start making relationships with the language. And so 
this thing of being centered in the heart and centered in what we love. I think this is like, look at a cat. They just do what they want. They're like lying around, hunting, purring. People are like, oh, cats are so snobby. I think they're centered in their pleasure. I think they're centered in their instinctual orientation to what they love. They love their people, you know, like absolutely cats can be so devoted. But this, this, the sense that we're living in a war, all of the fear, all of the trauma, all of the destruction that we are surrounded with on all sides, like we are living through a time of extinction and collapse. We are in the Kali Yuga. There's no, you know, there's plenty of people that don't believe in climate change or have differing narratives and there's so much polarization, but whatever story you prescribe to, it's not hard to see that we're living in a time of great change and great destruction and you know it's full on so how do you want to position yourself during that time do you want to be constantly pulled outside of yourself in fear and feeling like you need to defend yourself and protect yourself from everything that's coming at you um, or do you want to be centered in what you love creating incredibly rich deep nourishing strong relationships with what you love plants animals stories ancestors art creativity whatever your passion is whatever your gift is the people you love and the the power of those relationships is what protects you the power of that love is what keeps you safe and does it keep you safe from death old age sickness all of these normal human suffering experiences no because we can't actually avoid that no matter what we do but it keeps your soul and your spirit and your consciousness sovereign and whole so you can choose what you're doing and where you're going and what you're participating in and i think that is the meaning of sovereignty and that is the highest expression of leo medicine so that's what's on offer if we choose to 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 work with it and dive in to this period of time and and that's why heart alchemy is happening again that's why you know i'm so excited about this time because i see it as just an incredible opportunity yeah yeah that's so beautiful and two things that came up was uh, venus and our values as well right if we connect our values to our heart and not the mind and the ego you know the, the i think values is really the core of the issue right because our values guide us to the actions that we have our intentions and and re-evaluating is really important for everything for the environment for how we're living and another connection with with um, the cats that came up for me is the um, the Norse goddess Freya who's uh, riding her, like in a carriage and the cats that are pulling her and she has something on herself from the cat so it's really connected to the divine feminine mystery and I really love that you're doing the heart alchemy so can you tell us more about that and what that means and what is like what can you expect if you join that because i've joined it before it was amazing and i love that it's the sacred days and as you said it's so 
even in my culture, like 40 days, um, even 40 days of grief, like that's like standard. Yeah, it's um, so I would love to hear more about the heart alchemy. Mm. 40 days of grief that just touched me really deeply. Um, so heart alchemy. Yeah, this is a ritual journey that I run during this time where Venus is retrograde and invisible. It is a group container that we open with a live call and basically people are guided in a really embodied way. So we work a lot with the sensations of the body, with the energies of the body so that people have a direct and personal experience. I'm not interested in just like dogma and just telling people what to experience. It's, it's opening a space for direct revelation. And we have three live calls over the six weeks. Each of those live calls is a ceremony, a ritual, working directly with the, the deeper layers of what's happening astrologically. I time everything. I time everything to make it easier. It's like, if you want to get a suntan, go outside when it's sunny. You know, if you want to work with the current of Venus in a specific way, we time it with the transit. The other weeks in between, uh, through our online community, people re receive videos, receive rituals, receive transmissions and downloads. But the core invitation is to have a small daily practice for the whole 40 days. So it's a commitment to a period of time where you give your time, your attention, your sincere intention to Venus and to this process um, as an offering to receive the transformation. And so we work with the rose, we work with movement, we work with ritual, we work with meditation, we work with the astrology, and all of this weaves together in a very kind of organic way um, to facilitate inner transformation and alignment with everything that we've been talking about. I specifically this year want to make it as streamlined as possible. I think people are so done with Zoom and online containers and just like catching up on calls and, you know, there's been such a saturation of that. So other than the three live calls, I really want to deliver it in a way that people are just supported in their daily practice and we're supported collectively with this, this collective prayer and, and yeah, can birth something of service, right, at the end of it. That's amazing. Uh, it sounds like such a beautiful and powerful way. You know, like my teachers have have always said from our yogi tradition that our like our spiritual practice, our sadhana, is the most important thing that we have to prioritize. And it's sometimes it's hard to like keep that going. And this helps also to get into it. And then if it's also embodied practices. It's not just, it's so important in working with these energies that we have embodied experiences and our personal gnosis of being able to receive and download and to integrate. And there's so many processes. So I really, it sounds like a really beautiful journey with you. And um, I will put the, the, that, the link for the course 
in the show notes. And before I, I've been shuffling my healing oracle card deck for us for this period. Is there anything else that we haven't spoken about that we wanted to bring up today? Well, there is one little thing. <laughs> and it's a little bit of a side tangent, but it's come through as being really important. So we work with the myth of Inanna to an extent, not massively, because I actually find the transformation of Inanna to be more specifically relevant to when Venus is on the far side of the Earth, so the next invisible phase. That's like when Inanna is hanging up dead in the underworld and she's dying as a morning star and being reborn as an evening star. Um, and the morning star and evening star phases are quite different. So we talk about that, you know, we're preparing to launch out as a morning star, like warrior goddess, young, questing, really the individual Venus starting something new. And we want to do that from such a place of deep alignment that what we create and then integrate in the evening star phase is just like, as you say, values led, love led, heart led, sovereign, powerful, protected. That's kind of the long game, you know? So this 40 days and nights is about really composting the last cycle and totally preparing for what's coming. The other mythic thread that has dropped in as being really relevant and it's totally taken me by surprise is the myth of narcissists. Because we live in an image obsessed time the rise of social media and the digital revolution that believe me is only just getting started we have saturn and pisces and with pluto and aquarius we're talking virtual reality we're talking like blockchain web 3 like it's the tip of the iceberg so our relationship with the mirror with the screen is again a massive reflection of where we're at individually and culturally. Everyone is throwing the word narcissist around. It's like, oh, this guy dumped me, he's a narcissist. You're a narcissist. It's like, well, that is a very serious psychological diagnosis. And I think that yes, there are people who have narcissistic personality disorder and that they're a lot less than people get named, but narcissism and narcissistic culture has got us by the balls or the ovaries, or whatever you want to call it. A culture that is driven by being obsessed with the way that your own image is reflected back to you from the outside, rather than the internal experience of your own essence, is a culture that is incredibly vulnerable to predatory systems of economy, things like um, really parasitic, like capitalism uh, in its worst potential form. Uh, we just will be like easy consumers, we'll be easily politically manipulated. We're just so outside of ourselves, we are slaves to this mirror. And so the myth of narcissists is very connected to the Leo principle, yeah, because the shadows of Leo are like false pride, um, kind of feeling like you're too much or not enough being really dramatic and like hungry for attention or maybe just being completely terrified of being seen. All of these distortions around expression and beauty and, and um, attention, you know. So the myth of narcissists, the concept of narcissism and a narcissistic culture and healing ourselves from those wounds and stepping back into a place of like internal resonance 
is also going to be a big part of this. So I just wanted to drop that in there because I know there are plenty of people that it will have this like narcissism thing top level in their awareness. And I think that we need to mature our understanding of what a narcissistic culture or consciousness really is. And we can look at the myth, the myth of echo and narcissists. So interesting, you know, um, yeah, I won't tell the whole story here, but basically echo she was just talking a bunch of shit, so here it took her voice away. And then all she could do was repeat what other people were saying. Copy and paste, copy and paste. No original ideas. And that's what's happening with the internet. You know, and then she fell in love with Narcissus, who was just in love with himself. And then she died from a broken heart, and then he drowned in his own reflection. And I think that that is a really accurate representation of the creative stagnancy that is arising from our unhealthy relationship to media right now and so that's a big leo shadow like celebrity culture plastic surgery um reality tv like all of these warped things and i'm just like bring the power back you want to talk about freedom stop worrying about what's happening over there and and come back you know so i just yeah i wanted to say that <laughs> as well that is such an important thing to bring up because this is yeah, I mean, things are not as when we grew up. Things have changed a lot. And I'm glad I wasn't, I'm not a teenager right now. Um, and, and it's so important to think about that as the shadow, like the Pluto in uh, Aquarius with being this whole media and social media and all of the, these technologies that are coming. But what is the shadow side of that? And what and the personal power and everything that you're speaking about. So it's such an important, so it's like some kind of now like a big shift where you can go turn that way or that way and like see what, what is what is important for you in this life, which side. And the social media has made like fed this narcissistic uh, behavior and um, yeah, it's it's really important to observe that. So that's I was I'm really glad that you shared that. And interesting with the mythology, how it's like like history repeats as well. And there's something in that archetype that is coming through. So that's super interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm really like curious which card that came up. So just before we started, I showed this. Uh, just speaking about Venus in Leo, I mean, wow. this whole, like even the 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 one up here that Laurie Mena has created, this uh, this winged star, it's so connected with everything that we spoke about, and we got um, actually this this the solar plexus card uh, from the so these cards have different focus on healing and this one is connected to the energy healing uh, theme and this you you can see there in the middle the uh, indigenous kurdish symbol of the sun which women tattoo on their face still and also yeah and the and the fire mountains actually in in northern kurdistan uh, so it's really connected to leo and the heart so it's my passion and visions are expansive as the sun and it's yeah and number 33 so I think that's really 
really potent for us to there's some heart expansion some also this is connected to the solar plexus chakra which feeds in it feeds into the heart like what do you feel when you see the card Lara it's um, I feel like going oh chakra, <laughs> the divine will the agni you know the fire in the stomach too and the way that feeds up to the heart and this yeah this passion this 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 drive this genuine energy i mean i just won the synchronicity is beautiful and i didn't know you had a card deck and they're beautiful and i'm so happy that now i know they exist um but yeah i mean the fire mountain is that a volcano or is it a mountain that represents fire well this is such a mythical mountain and you know the kurdish regions are said to be and this mountain where noah's ark you see the big one up there. Yeah, These wow. are, yeah, this, I first connected it actually to a spot. So, so the, what, this came up as a channeled message for, because I wanted to work with the different places on the earth. It's only the, the energetic healing cards that have that specific places that are connected to. And uh, this mountain is so ancient and it, and it runs through and down to Armenia and, and Kurdistan. And it's just really interesting why it's called the fire. But we are also called the, the children of the fire and the sun. So we have always had that connection to fire and sun. So it's it's interesting to know, like, where did it originate? Probably it's very uh, ancient. And, you know, the most ancient temples found have been found in Kurdistan. So Gebekli Tepe and all of these so this uh, so it, it is the sun within the sun as well and it's connected to the feminine because of this uh, these symbols that women have tattooed um which is a very old tradition and you can see still the older women who have it and and they do it with the needle um yeah so this one really also asks us to work with with that fire because I feel like it also feeds the heart fire and it is that ascend up to you know like coming from the womb and then like the waters of the womb and the fire and everything so this is really also like taking steps forward I feel like right now and we are connecting to this fire energy right now with Venus there and and in the northern hemisphere with the summer season as well. And I mean, even if you're in the southern hemisphere, working with this can be beneficial because you you work up that inner fire, even if it's cold, and it can benefit the waters as well. So yeah, I'm thank you for also giving your interpretation. I I really love that. So is magic and the synchronicity, you know, I love yeah. I will never stop being just charmed by the way that things work like that. You know, it just reminds me, it's like, yeah, this is all moving. This is all moving together. It's it's not just a coincidence. It's like there's a flow, there's a current. And, you know, I think we, we do need to be constantly brought back to that. Mm, it's like reminders of like, we are not a coincidence. Nothing is a coincidence and everything is like, 
synchronized and we just have to listen and see it and I think it's really easy to like close down so it's really important to open up and for me like the heart is the gateway to everything it's the portal it's the the perfect balancing of everything so I really love also the heart alchemy name and it feels so beautiful and it can alchemize so much in the heart as well it's powerful of the heart you know when that's cultivated mm. when that's in the heart is like nourished with prayer and devotion and attention and right timing and then there's these shadows there's these wounds there's these traumas they can be literally offered into the chalice of the heart and we'll be working with that to be mm. burnt up and purified so that that energy isn't let go we don't let anything go we recycle it we compost it we transmute it and i think transmutation through the heart is really at the essence of of what will be happening here yeah that's so lovely and i'll share all the links in the show notes if you want to share right now where people can find you just so they can search for you so my website is pathoftherose.com and you can find me on instagram at mythic muse mythic underscore muse but yeah super excited so lovely to talk to you again as well yeah i'm so happy we did this and i'm really excited to see what comes up and i'm sure that we will come back here uh, in a while again and and talk about something else that is important and that's coming up so i really want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and your insights with us and i recommend everyone to check out your website and instagram page as well and and look into the course or the the journey that you're offering so thank you so much for your work absolute pleasure thank you thank you